Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, good afternoon, Facebook family. Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope everyone is doing amazing on this terrific Tuesday. I think this is Tuesday. Terrific Tuesday. Tiger-tastic. Tiger-tastic Tuesday. Just like Tony the Tiger, because Tuesdays are great. So had a mom reached out to me. She said, I need to talk to you about my eight-year-old. I said, okay, let's visit. And she said, eight-year-old, super lazy. Um, these are the words she was using. She's lazy, passive-aggressive, and so I obviously, I love it when parents are conditioned. So that's never happened. Let me check my signal. Okay, my Wi-Fi is working. It's weird. All of a sudden, it was really sunny here, and then, like, fog just came in, so it might be jacking with the, um, the wireless. So I love it when parents are conditioned to label their children in a specific way, and they don't even know it. When you say your child is lazy, it creates anxiety for you. When you say your child is passive aggressive, it creates stress, it creates anxiety. When you say your child just doesn't want to do something, it creates stress and anxiety, and you don't even realize it. But here's the thing, before I even get to the point of the whole topic for this evening, is that when you label your child with a negative association, whether it's my child's aggressive, my child rages, my child's defiant, however you want to label the child, just the statement of the label, my child is this, is reflective of your brain state. It's, refle it's reflective of an active amygdala. You know, your amygdala is your fear receptor. So your fear receptor is what looks for a threat. So when you say, my child is lazy, you think that you're just speaking it matter of fact, but the reality is laziness comes with associations because most of us who grew up, you know, having to do chores, who worked and stuff like that, lazy is not a good word. So no one wants to be called lazy. So when you now, as an adult, call your child lazy, maybe not call them that to their face, but you have an association that they're lazy, that's coming from a place of stress. See, that's the beginning of the problem, is just the use of the words. So we really have to watch our words. So here's the thing. This particular child is really struggling. So as I was talking to mom, she struggles in school, but she's doing okay. She gets home, she doesn't want to do her chores. Mom says she will stand in the middle of the kitchen and not do her chores. She'll just stand there. Mom says sometimes in the morning, she'll just sit on the couch. She won't eat, she won't get out of her pajamas. And if mom says, hey, it's time to get ready for school, is that what you're gonna wear? She'll say, yeah. Okay, this is important. This is the child that we don't really spend enough time talking about. This is usually the easy child. Most of the times in schools, teachers don't have any problems with this child. 
This is the hypo-aroused child. Most of the time, we're always talking about the hyper-aroused child. See, the brain reacts to stress in one of two different ways. It either becomes hyper-aroused and aggressive, or it becomes hypo-aroused and depressed. A lot of times, parents have children who struggle that end up getting labeled as lazy or passive-aggressive or defiant or isolating without realizing that what's actually going on with this child is that when they become stressed, they are they become hypo-aroused. So stress causes them to go down. Stress causes them to pull into their shell. Now think about these as classic turtle, turtle children. They go into their shell when they're stressed and we have a hard time reaching them. It makes us really anxious as parents. It can make us really frustrated too because it feels like they're just not doing it. They're just choosing not to do it. It's not that at all. It's that their stress reaction system is actually shutting them down. So the other thing that's really important is I was talking to the mom further and I said, I'm really curious and I'm always talking to you guys about this. What is the birth history? What was the birth history like? And this was a child adopted from four months old. But when mom started sharing the birth history and then what was going on up to four months, what I started to sense is you've got a child who's failure to thrive. A failure to thrive child is a child usually who comes from an environment of gross neglect where they're not held a lot, they're not fed, they're not nurtured. And four months can be an extremely long time and probably coming on the tail end of an in utero gestation period where mom didn't take really good care of herself. And so you have an infant who literally, if left alone for too long, would just die. They wouldn't eat, they wouldn't cry, they would just die. And that's called failure to thrive. And those failure to thrive imprints are deeply embedded into that hypo-aroused reaction to stress. So the more stressed a child gets, the more they dissociate. And so a lot of times what you're seeing from your hypo-aroused child is a dissociative state. So when mom says she'll stand in the kitchen and not do her chores, actually what she's experiencing in that moment, she's not even connected to her body. She doesn't even, she's not even in her body. Like she's out here. There's something in the dynamic of being stressed that causes a, regress, a regression. And when that regression occurs, it, it becomes a conditioned state. This is important. This is not children just choosing to do this. They have learned, it's an, adapt, an adaptive mechanism. They have learned to go away as a form of survival. Now, like I said, unattended, they'll go away back to heaven if you left them to their own devices because the mechanisms in their brain for survival are just the inverse of what they normally would be. This same child, which is interesting, this same child overeats. The reason she overeats is because it takes her being to the, to the point of needing to vomit before she has a sensation of being full. It requires that much stimulation in her intestines to trigger her brain to say that she's full. The opposite to that is the failure to thrive child who doesn't eat at all. And what's interesting is actually I have two families 
One has a failure to thrive child who doesn't eat at all. And I've always said to parents, that's your baby bird. You just have to feed them. And once you start feeding them, all of a sudden their stomach and their brain make the connection that they're actually hungry and then they'll eat. This child just over the course of a couple of weeks has gained a pound and a half just from mom feeding the baby, feeding the baby bird. And this kid is, I think, five or six years old. On the other extreme is the child who's eight years old. She's seven, eight years old. And she eats, she overeats. But the reason she overeats is because it takes her that long to get full, to make the connection to being present. And so when you start thinking about your hyperaroused children, you have to realize the goal is to get them into their bodies because they're not into their they're not in their bodies. So more hugs. I told the mom, give her a bottle. Giving a bottle is a great way to bring a child into a present attuned state. We will eventually get together and we will talk about the narrative of who she is, about her in utero phase and about her first four months of being alone. And I'll work to support the mom to get really emotional and to really connect to the to the absent baby, which will then wake up the little girl's emotional experience and it will help her start to become more deeply aware of the presence of who she is. And so we'll use, I'll encourage mom to be able to make that kind of connection. The other thing is extended hugs, like really good deep hugs bring her into her body. Another is weighted blankets. So a weighted blanket releases oxytocin and helps release that, relieve that stress and that state of dysregulation that you may not even realize. If you met this little girl, she's just the kindest, sweetest, most pleasant little thing ever, but she's so prone to disassociation and just going away and hypoarousal. And so I really want you to think before you just label your child as lazy, ask yourself, could they just be stressed? And I know a lot of times we, 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 um, we position that laziness against a child who's not working or won't work. And I know that, see, that's, a, that's our own blueprints at work, our own fear and frustration about our child not doing, not, not taking care of their responsibilities. But I really want you to ask yourself, is my child just stressed? And if they are stressed and they are hyper-aroused, they're shutting down, how can you help reduce the stress? How can you help reduce the stress, pull them back into their bodies, help them get present. And then you remember, remember, because so much of the stuff I talk about, it just builds on, 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 on itself. Stress causes emotional regression. So maybe you're not dealing with an eight-year-old at all. Maybe you're actually dealing with a three-year-old and perhaps if the stress is high enough, you're actually dealing with an infant. Meet the child at the emotional age, not the chronological or the cognitive. So I hope that helps and I hope it gives you a new framework. Instead of lazy, think hypo aroused. My child is just stressed. It's just a different, and you have to train their brain with repetition. You have to train their brain to make that connection between the brain and the body. Get that in sync because the other thing that is oftentimes upset when children come from environments of gross neglect and trauma or there's is or their circadian rhythms controlled by their suprachiasmatic nucleus, which sits right right next to that, to the 
right next to the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland in the brain. And when that part of your brain, that little nerve structure is exposed to a lot of stress, what happens is the ability to calm down and wake up gets thrown off. The ability to know you're hungry and know you're full gets thrown off. And it just happens in various ways. So something to keep in mind, remember guys, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to, to operate from our same imprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or we can stop. We can take three to 10 deep breaths, slow down, and choose love. And I hope you will choose love. I hope you have a fantastic evening. I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to pray for you tonight when I lay my head down. Probably as soon as I, as soon as I hit finish on this, I'm going to pray for every single one of you that you have a fantastic evening, that you go to bed, you go to bed, you lay your head down and your, your bed feels more comfortable than ever. And that you wake up feeling restored, refreshed, reinvigorated, made whole and just ready to be a beacon of a beacon of light and love in your home for your family and for your children and for every single person you come and interact with. So God bless you. Big Papa loves you. And I'll see you tomorrow.